0: There I am. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the village. Uh, I'm Julie, one of the pastors. This is the first time I taught in the morning. Um, I've been mostly because I'm a night person. but <laughs> um, So this is, uh, we're doing a series on prophet, priest, and king, and we're on priest this week. So I am going to pray for us and then we'll start. Father, um, we invite you into this place and declare that this space is your kingdom. Jesus, uh, we proclaim that you're Lord of our lives and that you have everything that we need and have done what we need And, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come and speak truth to us, that you would uh, fill us with a sense of who God is and what wholeness is. And we ask all these things in your name. Amen. So, I have my complicated whiteboards, which I'm hoping to cover really quickly. Um, This is kind of... Trying Well, this one, so the Old Testament, part one, is it's the part of the Bible where God talks about his people Israel. And in order to understand the office of priest, you kind of have to understand a little bit of the Israel history. So I handed this out just because it would be easier to see for some people. Um, before we start, I want to start with a, an idea of wholeness. So I want us to imagine being a part of the Trinity. Okay, imagine the Trinity. You have a Father, a Son, and a Holy Spirit. And they are in perfect wholeness. That means that they, they're living in the perfect truth of who they are, They're living out of the heart of God, which is love. And each person is offering what they offer without any kind of judgment or measuring of which one's better. Or like we have, when we represent God sometimes as the Trinity, we have Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So we have Father at the top, right? And so we think, oh, well, that must mean he's more important. But in the Trinity, that's just who he is. There's no judgment. There's no the son saying, well, how come you get all the power and you get to decide these things? It's this perfect, whole, interacting as your true self with one another. But when you have that as with a heart of love... Okay, and, and, and Eric talked about the heart of God and wholeness being kind of being connected to the whole the heart of God when he was talking about prophets last week. Um, when you have a heart of love, love wants to give, right? Love wants to invite others into the experience of this wholeness. And that's kind of where you get the creation of humans is that this perfect communion of love says we want to offer this to you. And so God creates people in the Garden of Eden. And last week, uh, Eric talked about Adam walking in the cool of the day with God. Now this was Adam uh, as his true self, the self that he was created as, and his experience of God, there was no shame, no uh, self-contempt, no other contempt. No, it was just this communion, this wholeness, and it was good, really, really good. But, you know, a robot can't love. So what happens is there enters this, this place of Adam being able to choose something. And so that's where the splintering comes in, um, is sin. In the garden, it says the serpent that kind of represents Satan uh, was saying to Adam and Eve, uh, Well, you know, you could be God if you eat from this tree that God said don't eat from. And they think, Huh, yeah, I could be God. Maybe Satan's right. Why don't I why don't I eat from this fruit and then I'll understand all things like the Father does, and then I'll be I can be my own God. And that's where the splintering comes in. And a lot of times people are like, well, why should we pay for the sins of Adam and Eve, right? But if you think about it, this is where, we're, where we want to be. This is what we were created for. And there's not one of us that can say, I relate completely out of my true identity. I love people unselfishly all the time and see them as valuable and in their true identity. And I never judge anyone. I always offer freely who I am and receive freely who the other people are. There's not a person who can say that because we're splintered, because we came into this splintering. Now, the splintering is last week when Eric was talking about it, um, he talked about this is kind of where the prophet comes in, okay? And the prophet says, you've sinned. This isn't how it's supposed to be. You're splintered. You've walked away from wholeness. And death is the result. And so what happens is in the splintering, There's a a splintering of the kingdom of God, which is eternal, right? It's forever, the kingdom of God, this perfect communion. And then we come down into time where there's death. And the Old Testament is this story of God working with us in the context of time to kind of figure out what it looks like to move back to wholeness and to understand that we really are not whole. And so in the Old Testament, we start, there's a there's a covenant that God made after after you know we get kicked out of the garden because of our choosing to be our own God. Um, there's a covenant that's made with Abraham and a covenant is Uh, it's like a special promise, and when you make a covenant in, in the Old Testament days, you would cut an animal and separate it into pieces, and then each person would walk through the animal to say, may it be like it is for this animal if I break my promise. In the covenant with Abraham, Abraham doesn't walk through the pieces, He has a vision of God walking through the pieces saying, I am going to fulfill both parts of the covenant. And this is the beginning promise. And uh, I didn't write it on here, but this is where Melchizedek comes in, is with Abraham. So in the passage, it kept talking about Melchizedek, a priest like Melchizedek. And we're like, who the heck is Melchizedek? And why is he named that? Um, But, but um, Melchizedek was, he he was also called the king of Salem, and when Abraham encountered him, he gave him a tenth of everything that he had. He said, he like gave, what, what the Israelites came to give later through the law, he gave it to him in, in in honoring of him as a, as a priest. And then um, later, well, we'll get to that later. So we have the covenant with Abraham, and then from now on, it's all his descendants. So we come down to Jacob, and that's where God says, because Jacob, he renamed Jacob Israel, and that's where we get the idea of Israel. So now we have this people of Israel that God has called out, and chosen to be his special people to say, let me teach you how to come back to wholeness. Then you go to Joseph, uh, who ends up in Egypt, and God does all kinds of cool things, Uh, and eventually the Egyptians are persecuting the, the Israelites, and Moses and Aaron come. And that's where you have, you know, these, the Pharaoh says, no, I'm not going to let your people go. And Moses says, well, there's going to be plagues. And the final plague is the Passover. Uh, and all the Israelites were told to put blood on their door. And, and the angel of death was going to come through all of Egypt and, and kill every firstborn male unless there was the blood of the Passover lamb. So they made a sacrifice. They put the blood on the door. And then that uh, showed them that they were longing for wholeness with God. They were trusting that God's way is the way. You're God. I'm not God. And then after that, the Pharaoh lets the people go. um, And then uh, changes his mind. But God does miraculous things to rescue them. And... When they're wandering around in the desert, they come to the holy hill, and Moses goes up and talks to God, and he gives them the law, the Ten Commandments. And he's basically saying, here's your chance to engage with God and others in wholeness, Keep this law, and you will find wholeness. And the people, well, it was an epic fail from the beginning. Really, from even before the law came. If you read the stories, they were not treating people with respect. They were hurting each other all over the place. They were making very selfish decisions. And this continues, despite the fact that in this covenant, because it was another covenant, the people of Israel said, yes, we'll obey the law of God. Yeah, that's what we'll do. And really what the law shows is that we can't do it. Like, we can't do it. And you, you, it, it, we develop, uh, through the word of God, this system of making sacrifices in order to, uh, to have a connection to God. So God, God tells them about like how to build a tabernacle. And it's really interesting because in building the tabernacle, he uses all the people with the thing that they do really well. It's kind of like inviting back into this wholeness idea. It's like, this is who you are. You're an artisan. Why don't you make these things? You know, this is who you are. Why don't you do these things as a part of building the temple? And then, or the tabernacle, which later gets built as a temple. And inside the, t- the t- tabernacle was a place called the Holy of Holies, and it was behind a curtain because uh, nobody can see God or they'll die. That's basically what the Bible says. And and there is something called the mercy seat. And what you have with with Israel is the kingdom of God, God himself, his presence, comes into the tabernacle and resides in the Holy of Holies. That's the place, behind the curtain. And then Aaron, the family of Aaron, Aaron, uh, become the priests, and they make sacrifices for the sins of the people and for their own sins. So there's this thing called the Day of Atonement. Atonement is uh, its like paying the price for something that was done. And so the sacrifice is sort of a recognition that when we become our own God, it causes death because it's a splintering from the wholeness of God. And so on the Day of Atonement, the high priest goes in and he sacrifices for his own sins because he can't go in there until he's sacrificed for his own sins. And they actually would tie a rope to the high priest, to his to his ankle, and leave it out in case he got zapped because he wasn't... Hadn't sacrificed properly or wasn't wasn't right with God in the in the sacrifice system, so that they could pull him out and no one would have to go in. Um, so that then the high priest would go in and he would make a sacrifice for all the people of Israel for the sins that they did knowingly and the sins that they did unknowingly. It wasn't just well if you really do it wrong. Uh, then, you know, then you have to have your sins forgiven. Or if you didn't realize that was wrong, the reality is that when we live as our own God, we unintentionally sin all the time. And so this is a recognition of coming in. So this is the office of the priest. Um, he's anointed by God. God chose this family to represent him as to make sacrifices for the people. And he chose pe- he chose people, and when they 're describing who they should pick, they chose people who could who weren 't judgmental and who could understand and who could have compassion on the people and weren 't trying to get money and there are all these things that are about people who could understand the weight of sin and the cost of sin and could love represent the heart of God that offers forgiveness and invites back to wholeness um and then then that he does sacrifices the priest sacrifices for himself and then for um for the people so that so that's the office of priest and huh maybe not could somebody shift for me Jesus as priest. So in our passage uh, that was read earlier, um, Jesus comes onto the stage and he does several things. One of the things in John 1 is Jesus says, it says that the word became flesh. So so God is sort of this word became flesh, became a person and it says it says the word means he tabernacled among us so jesus kind of comes in and he is the tabernacle okay so he is where the presence of god is and then we kind of move into the new testament kind of stuff so in being like in being the tabernacle he also comes to us as, as God. He's like bringing the presence of God into this time part of the story. And he, he comes as God. It says that he, in John 1, it says he, he was God. And then it also says that he's flesh. So he's also a human who was born, suffered, died, and rose again. So we have we have God sending him down as a priest in the order of Melchizedek which goes back to Abraham where where God says I'm going to satisfy all the requirements to bring you back to wholeness. So Jesus comes down as a priest forever and he he suffers with us. Okay? He he becomes a priest that can understand the experience that we have when we're when things aren't right when we when we experience pain from from the sin around us Jesus comes down so that he can be a priest who understands because that was a part of the office of priest is someone who could understand and so he becomes this new tabernacle and he becomes he's the tabernacle he's the priest and he's the sacrifice. So he comes and lives his perfect life in order to satisfy the requirements, it, to satisfy the death that splintering causes. And he becomes, as, as he's resurrected, he becomes and, and, and goes up and sits at the right hand of the father he starts to like, talk to the Father on our behalf and to call on his sacrifice as a way of saying, we can now invite these people back into wholeness. And so we have Jesus coming down. He comes down, dies, is resurrected, and goes back up here into the eternal. And the Holy Spirit stays down here to speak to us truth. It's God's presence coming down here. It's the Holy of Holies coming down to us. And now, the kingdom of God, Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand. Now this kingdom comes down into the apostles, and they begin begin to be an expression of, of the heart of God in the world around them and to invite people into this new kingdom and this new way of living. Jesus sends, uh, uh, it, it comes down to us. We receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes into us and we begin to offer the kingdom and live out the kingdom among us. A lot of times at the beginning of the service, we pray Father, we declare this space your kingdom. And part of what we're doing is we're saying, we long for wholeness, and you're the only one that can bring it to us. And so we're saying, we want you to be here, and for as a collection of your people who carry the Holy Spirit, we want you to be here and speak truth to us, and then that's true for believers throughout all space and time is is that God comes down he indwe- he he lives inside the person, and he that person then begins to offer the kingdom around them so in first peter two nine through ten, it says But God chose you to be his people. You are royal priests. You are a holy nation. You are God's special treasure. You are all these things so that you can give him praise. God brought you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy." And so then we become the priests. Jesus is our high priest who has become priest, sacrifice, and return to God on our behalf. And we have been chosen to offer that message to other people. Now, part of being a priest is that understanding mercy okay so in in first Peter it says you know once you were not a people once you had not received mercy okay so all of us here who believe have received mercy and and he wants us to know that we've received mercy he doesn't want to have to send prophets that, that, you know, bring, like, shame and say, you know, this is what you've done wrong and highlight all the things that you've done wrong. He wants us to recognize that this wholeness that he's inviting us into, where we can be who we really are, like, who we were created to be, and, you know, if you think about it, um, there are things that I do uh, that are sort of a part of who I am, and sometimes I sin out of those things and sometimes I offer good things out of those things. In wholeness, the sin is gone. Okay? Who I am is no longer my own choosing of this is what it looks like for me to be God. I, I bring all that into submission to the wholeness of God. In... um. 2 Corinthians 5.14, it says, Christ's love controls us. We are sure that one person died for everyone, and so everyone died. Christ died for everyone. He died so that those who live should not live for themselves anymore. They should live for Christ. He died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we don't look at anyone the way the world does. At one time, we looked at Christ in that way, but we don't anymore. When anyone lives in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God. He brought us back to himself through Christ's death on a cross, and he has given us the task of bringing others back to him through Christ, back into wholeness. God was bringing the world back to himself through Christ. He did not hold people's sins against them. God has trusted us with the message that people may be brought back to him. So we are Christ's official messengers, his priests. It is as if God were making his appeal through us. Here is what Christ wants us to beg you to do. Come back to God. Christ didn't have any sin, but my, but God made him sin for us. God God experienced a splintering of himself on our behalf so that it could he could come back together and and bring us back into that. Um so we can be made right with God because of what Christ has done for us. So as we understand mercy and where we've been and being a priest that can offer out of the heart of God instead of our own judgmental, selfish heart, splintered heart, we have to be aware of the reality that our way isn't the way, like what I think is right, and this is what I should do, and this is what you should do, that isn't God. The things that I try to do to make myself uh, worthy, to like meet the law, so that I can do it myself and still be my own God, that doesn't that doesn't bring healing. That doesn't bring, you know, we're like a high priest who goes in and and has to be pulled out because we're trying to offer out of something other than the heart of God. The other thing that we do is we begin to sacrifice ourselves in order to proclaim the sacrifice of Jesus to others. So when you... Are a priest and you hear and listen compassionately to people who are struggling with the ways that they make themselves God, if you're going to do that, you have to, it costs you something. It's not something that just, you know, happens magically and then everything is great. It costs you something. You have to reach out and choose to love people with the heart of God and to invite them into the wholeness that God is bringing now and that ultimately, ultimately, when Jesus comes back, we're going to swing around and be back here in the wholeness. And that's what we're inviting people into. We begin to taste it here as the royal priesthood. And if you think about times when someone has loved you and offered you compassion and grace, those are moments of wholeness. That person was inviting you into the wholeness of God. And the times when someone just cares, just sits by you while you're grieving and loves you, those are moments where we're tasting where the Holy Spirit is bringing the presence of God and the heart of God into that space, and the kingdom of God comes down in that space. So, what what does this look like? Um, when I'm a priest in the order of Jesus, then, like I know that God has, cho- has chosen me. I know that God is with me. He has my identity. He knows who I am completely. He only has good in mind for me. And even things that happen in the fallen world during this time place, he's going to, he's bring, going to bring good out of those things. So I have arthritis that a lot of times becomes something where i'm able to understand the suffering of someone else and i and that that becomes something that is good because i'm able to understand and be a priest who who can understand the people that you're offering sacrifices for when we when i am in that place and i'm not worried about who i am or whether what people think of me I'm just secure in knowing that God is with me and he loves me and he has forgiven my sin and he is forgiving my sin and he is with me. Then when I sit down with someone and I offer them mercy, it's not they're there, yeah, you got it wrong, I don't get it wrong. Um, It's not, um, well, I can offer to you, but if you push my button, then I'm going after you. Because they can push your button with their sin, but you're secure in the holy of holies with God, okay? And so it changes the meaning of people when they are trying to offer their brokenness to you and when you're hearing their confession, some of which is often not a confession it's a defense you can offer them mercy because you're not you're not hooked by what they're saying you're you're there with the heart of god and when we're in that place and we and we set aside time and we love people in that way that's when healing the city happens that's when we begin to see people brought back into wholeness, because that's what healing is. They're brought back into that wholeness. And in, uh, in 2 Corinthians 14, 21, I, can't, I, I, I don't have the verses listed separately, but it says, uh, when anyone lives in 2 Corinthians 5, when anyone lives in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. Some, some scholars think of that in, in the way of the old is gone and is going and the new has come and is coming. Because we're still in this time place. We haven't yet gotten to the back to the kingdom of heaven being complete. S- so we're kind of in the in-between. So when we offer and try to listen with the heart of mercy... Sometimes we're not going to, and we have to ask for forgiveness. Sometimes we're going to say something that's selfish instead, and we ask for forgiveness, and we appeal to the sacrifice of God. Sometimes that person that you're ministering to who believes and loves God is going to say something hurtful and mean, and you're going to offer the sacrifice of Jesus as covering and taking care of that wound. And then when God looks down from the kingdom of heaven up here, when he looks down at us, he's not seeing every little sin that we make. He's not up there going, ah, she did it again. Yeah, she, you know, every night she plays Mahjong for hours and hours. What is wrong with her? Um, That's not God. That's not how God's looking at us. He's looking at us through a filter of Jesus and his sacrifice, and he's seeing us as complete because he's seeing us in the forever, right? And he's looking at us as complete. Jesus came, and there was sort of this idea of a splintering in time of that communion, but this, the communion is forever. So, actually, like in this arena, everything is together and it continues. That's all I have. (laughs) (laughs) I I have no idea what the time. It's late. Oh, sorry. I always do that. Uh, Let me pray. Father, um, again, we just, we want to bring your kingdom. We want to see your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we ask you to work through us um, to make that happen. Um, Jesus, we proclaim that you're our high priest and our sacrifice and that all things are given to us through you and Holy Spirit, I ask that you would give us courage and hope and wisdom to reach out with your presence in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.